you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I've got Henry with me. Yes, it is I Might Be Wrong, and it's uh, it's my pick this week. I'm quite it excited. Is. You, you are excited. So we're straight in there. There's no, there's no warm-up chat here. We are right into the album. Yeah, well, just for... For the listeners that always think I talk about the weather, the weather's just boring today. So we're going to go straight <laughs> past that and we're going to go straight into the album. And I think this one, it's an odd one, I think, potentially, because I know this is a band that you absolutely adore, but I suspect it's going to be a bit of a bittersweet one for you based on things that have happened over the last year or so. So tell us tell us who the band are and what the album is. So the band are Fountains of Wayne, the album I'm picking is Welcome Interstate Managers, which was released back in 2003. And is a wonderful album. Yeah, well, yeah, it kind of, it, it shows all sides of the band, maybe some of their failings as well as their successes. But just for the record, they were one of my first true loves of bands, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. One of the first bands that I discovered, I discovered them, obviously, Um <laughs> which I guess you kind of feel that connection with a band that I'd never done before. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason for that is they appeared, I think Steve Lamack was championing them back in the late nineties. And they were the kind of band who you'd want to record. So they released two singles or at least two singles got radio players, radiation vibe and sink to the bottom off their first album. Fountains of Wayne, the self-titled debut. And at that point, in my head, and I think in a lot of people's opinions, they were heading for, for kind of stardom in a way. They got picked up by Atlantic Records and Radiation Vibe was really aimed at the kind of MTV generation. They recorded a video which the whole band hated. And I think they're still pissed off that they recorded this, but the video's a bit creepy and it didn't really sell the band in their best light. They're kind of an optimistic power pop band who I guess they sing about the American dream and the potential for it and then how it's passed some people by. And so they put people into those different situations of either the hope that they've got or the, the sadness that they've missed out on stuff. And that's how they kind of operate. They try and make it relevant to people. Yeah. And musically, they write some really wonderful stuff, both from a, an instruments and music perspective and also lyrically. But let's take a let's take a, a step back. Who are the bands? Tell us a little bit about Fountains of Wayne. Well, this is where you go into the detail and we talk about songwriting. There are two main songwriters in the band. There's Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger. They're a bit like Lennon and McCartney in that they... Uh, they write individual songs, but they'll credit them to both of them. So they're the nucleus of the band. I think they met in college and they were friends since then. And actually the first album was just them. They got a friend in to, to help out with some of the instruments. But he left and they've since got two more people, Jody Porter and Brian Young, who basically formed Fountains Away. And this was the, what, mid, mid-90s? mid mm-hmm. I think actually the the recording of 
Fountains of Wayne was was still Collingwood and, and Schlesinger. And then for their second album, Porter and Young came in to play on it. So these guys, if you're wondering that about the band name, it's a bit weird. It was um, it was from a from a lawn ornament store in the town of Wayne in New Jersey. They're they're from um, the East Coast, and I think they didn't like it at first. But I loved it as a as someone who was interested in in them. I just couldn't understand how they got the name or where it came from. And I think Lamac mentioned it on the radio that that's where it came from, and I thought that was brilliant. I actually have in my notes to ask you whether that was true because I found the story on songfacts.com which i have discovered is mostly but not always reliable yeah this one is definitely true the store closed down quite a while ago actually which is a shame um if we're going on band names the only other comedy one is that they had another earlier band name called three men who when standing side by side have a wingspan of over 12 feet can't understand why that one didn't catch on but (laughs) that's uh that's not the band name they went with so anyway 96 Fountains of Wayne came out and then they kind of hit the big time and this is where you go into the meat of what they're about so Schlesinger is brilliant he's been quoted in interviews as saying there are formulae for writing songs there are ways of doing it and if you follow those to perfection you'll generate lots of hit records he's very he works very hard at his music or he worked very hard at his music and so he could write a hit if he wanted to so Back in the late 90s, Tom Hanks directed and starred in a film called That Thing You Do. Uh, I didn't actually go to see it at the cinema, but I think it got nominated for some Oscars. I think this, the song behind it did, but it's about a band in the 60s, I think. And they have a hit record and it's about them selling this hit record. Schlesinger wrote the song that's for the movie. And to do that, you're going to have to write a song which is going to capture people's imagination in that 90 minutes and not piss people off and that's quite a challenge to do and he's nailed it and so he's that kind of guy who if you ask for a hit record he will produce it yeah absolutely and i guess talking of hit records we should touch on the one that might annoy you yeah well i was gonna say let's 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 move on a little bit because they released this first album it did very well critically. Atlantic kept them on for a second album. This was at the point where record labels were trying to get hold of hundreds of bands. They had there was so much money in the industry that they were backing a lot. And Fantasy Wayne released a second album called Utopia Partway. It got critically well received, but they got dropped from the record label at the end of it, and they were basically broke. Collingwood says he's he fell into a pit of despair as they got binned. Mm-hmm. Collingwood went back to computer programming with a guy called Joe Ray. If you listen to the first album, there's a song called Joe Ray about his computer <laughs> programming mate. And they basically went and disappeared for a bit. But then Collingwood and Schlesinger got back together. And in 2005, they decided to release Welcome Into State Managers. And the song that I guess was used as a single for this, and I guess is the one that everyone will know. And it's a kind of pisses me off and it pissed them off is called Stacy's mum which is well known I guess right and this is the one that I heard and sort of went oh these guys are entertainingly silly and then had you telling me actually there's a lot more depth to this here and you introduced me to a lot more of their other stuff because this seems like a one-hit wonder type song and so I guess does that thing you do but 
there's so much more to the band than them and it's something that I saw online. Uh, you haven't mentioned yet the fact, one of the really sad things is that Adam Schlesinger passed away from COVID complications last year, hence slightly bittersweet to talk about this stuff. And Collingwood says, Schlesinger was too good a writer to have that, this song, be his calling card. And the success of a novelty song means that it's just what you are to the public from that moment on forever. I tried to talk him out of it. I could see exactly what was going to happen. And when it started happening in slow motion, it just felt inevitable. It's sad to me that people reading his obituary will all know that song. And only a very tiny percentage of them will ever hear I-95 or The Girl I Can't Forget. And I think that's really sad to have that picture of this song because, yeah, it's a one-hit wondery song and it's a bit silly and the video is very deliberately tongue-in-cheek. But it's really great as well. It's a brilliant pop song. Well, yeah. I mean, the video's got Rachel Hunter in a negligee. It's like they're they're trying to (laughs) appeal to a certain demographic. But the interesting thing about the quote that you just said was that Collingwood was telling him no before they produced it, before they'd, they'd released it, which means, firstly, Schlesinger knows it's going to be a massive hit. Collingwood knows as well that it's such a kind of a classic type of song that would be radio friendly. Yeah. They both know where this is going. And Schlesinger goes, well, let's just make a hit. Let's do it. And Collingwood's saying, well, it's probably going to damage our, I guess, our authenticity. I don't know. But the fact that they both saw this coming was the most interesting part of that for me. And when I heard it on the radio, I was in mixed minds as well, because some of their songwriting is is beautiful. Some of their lyrics are fantastic. And, Mm you can kind of hear in this they've they've cranked the dial up to 11 and it's slightly going into parody and it's gone so far into parody that the band bowling for soup mm-hmm. who do parody songs and they love that kind of stuff they're happy being well known for that they were credited with this everywhere everyone thought this was bowling for soup if you don't know them they've got songs like 1985 girl all the bad guys want which are brilliant brilliant pieces of songwriting but they're not, they're taking the piss a little bit and so I think, yeah, you can see how Fountains of Wayne got lumped into a into that kind of box. And it's slightly strange that they went through with this because they were writing music for other people as well as writing stuff for their own. Schlesinger's got an insane amount of TV, movie, whatever credits across the breadth of his career. You think this is a song you could just pocket, give to someone else to, to release as a silly hit single and make a load of money off the songwriting thing, but not have it sit in your own back catalogue. Yeah, exactly. And he's given so many songs to other people. Katy Perry have taken his music. There was a film called Josie and the Pussycats. He wrote, co-wrote a load of the songs in that. The list just goes on and on and on. And you think, did they just overstep that one? And, or did it bring them back into the public eye? And maybe they wouldn't have been, well known at all if they hadn't released it i don't know the thing is i think there's enough brilliant music on here you know they might not have had top 10 pop hits in in the mainstream charts but i'm certain that they would still have been a really really big indie band at least and and part of the thing is i think a lot of people who would have been big fans of theirs probably dismissed them because of stacy's mum yeah well and and it happened again so they a few months on from that, 
they decided to cover Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Yeah. And that was released as a as a single again. And again, the record labels and the radio stations went, oh, let's let's play that. That's a Fountains of Wayne song. And the band were like, no, 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 this is just our kind of, our hat tip to Britney because it's such a brilliant song, but don't release it. And they had to stop the record label releasing it as a single. Yeah, because they were saying they wanted to put it on a B-side rather than having it released because they would do that where they'd put, silly tongue-in-cheek whatever stuff on a b-side of a serious song sometimes you mentioned katy perry (laughs) i wasn't aware that this had even happened but katy perry apparently played mtv unplugged which is an insanely unlikely (laughs) thing to have happened in the first place but she picked hackensack as a song to play on there and her version of hackensack's actually pretty good yeah well this is another it's another great song and and this is where i think fantasies of wayne do a great job is that kind of more somber i guess wistful song hackensacks on on welcome in state managers valley winter songs on this album as well oh, uh, which that's so good i think that's probably one of their greatest songs it's uh chris collingwood singing about him and he gets seasonal affective disorder and this is him talking about the winter if you've ever been in a cold wintry place and it started to snow put this song on and it's just brilliant warms the cockles yeah absolutely amazing just taps into some raw emotions within you that you you didn't even know were there and you're totally right It, it is that snow is falling moment in a song yeah i don't know many bands that can do that. There, we've talked about bands that can do that, and and this is a prime example of songwriting when it's done well that really kind of transcends everything, and you you kind of disappear into it. The, the Beach Boys, we've talked about them; they they're classic. Mm-hmm. They can make you disappear into songs like that, and this is a this is a great example of it. And you listen to this in Hackensack, and you think, how is this the same band that are doing Stacey's Mom? His range is just insane. Yeah. And they start the album with Mexican Wine, which is another kind of high-profile anthem. And again, it's another song which kind of divides fans, I guess, because it's another full-powered power pop anthem, and the lyrics are all over the place on this one. Um, but it's it's great fun, and I guess I guess you just do see those two different sides of the band all the way through their career, which is you can do the the kind of the anthemic stuff and then the the quiet stuff and you can kind of almost choose between the two yeah i i want to quickly bring us on to bright future in sales because this makes me chuckle every time i hear it it's just so clever and so funny ah yeah just the lyrics on this are brilliant i mean it's it's so cleverly written about a salesman that you can just picture this guy in your head and Ah, uh, just just listen to it. This is one way you just have to put it on, and he'll conjure up the image of the song. Just the the detail behind it is beautiful. It's also for me the deep cynicism of pushing someone down that. Oh, you should. You've got a really good career ahead of you. Do the career thing. Like push them away from anything that's distracting to that. Uh, and yet, him still falling into all the traps of screwing up constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's another song actually I want to call out on this album, um, All Kinds of Time, which is, it's about um, an American football player and him basically having an epiphany in the middle of this football game that uh, just about life and everything and how everything's going to fit into place. 
and he gets past the ball and he has this moment where time just kind of stands still and you you hear the song about him he's he's suddenly realizing that he's got all kinds of time it's not just that he's got time on the ball he's got his life kind of is is set and it's just brilliant yeah this i always loved when we were listening to this album back at university i always loved it then for the analogy and now as someone who so one of my previous jobs took me to america a lot and i got into american football and understanding american football understanding how quarterbacks work and seeing some of these guys progress from like panicky not really sure what to do to like hugely comfortable and like really confident it enhances that connection and that metaphor even more to understand that but it is a wonderful again it just goes to show the strength of his songwriting and his lyric writing to to take something that's quite a cliched thing time slowing down for a quarterback and turn it into a beautiful analogy that doesn't feel cliched it doesn't feel like it's being worked hard if that makes sense yeah and and this is the thing that gets me and i'm actually quite glad that we we do this podcast because i can just vent this one because they do have a kind of back catalogue where you just think more people should hear this stuff you don't need to be a a goth or a metal or it doesn't matter what type of music you like some of this stuff's pretty universal and some of their songs and not all of them i you know i'll be the first i'm a massive fan and i'll be the first to admit that some of their songs are a bit all over the place but some of their songs just are genuinely fantastic well they're all about life and a lot of them are about situations that we all understand and i think you mentioned them having to go back to work songs like bright future and sales and hey julie everyone can understand those we've either been those people or seen those people in our working lives and i love hey julie it was used in an episode in scrubs about a character called julie who the main character is dating over that thing played by mandy moore of all people and is this beautiful wonderful sequence of him getting ridden by his boss at work but then having a lovely wonderful time and that feeling of being able to come home to someone and and have them understand and be there for you in that way and be there for them in that way it's just it's wonderful it's again it's just part of the human experience but the way he creates the music and the lyrics for that it's just fantastic clever isn't it and so yeah they wrote this album and totally imploded off the back of it they they <laughs> toured it and went mental i think uh, i don't know whether it's because of the success of stacy's mom or whatever but they were they were drinking, they were partying. I think Collingwood got depressed. He certainly struggled with alcoholism from this point. Well, he may have struggled earlier, but definitely at this point, the band started to fall to bits, basically. And in the four years between that and then the next album, Traffic and Weather, nothing much happened. Then to write this, Traffic and Weather, they, they struggled through. They've got gems in there. He mentioned I-95. It's about mm. a nine-hour drive down the east coast of the States for someone to go and see someone that they love, and it's just lovely. But I think making that album was difficult. And then finally in 2011, Sky Full of Holes. I mean, this band has been a complete constant in my life for big, big events, like mm-hmm. that first one of like late school years and then university. And, then, and Sky Full of Holes came out just when I was moving out of London. And so this was my kind of, exit from the city and the whole album it they had a, a nightmare of a time writing it. and i think that's basically when the band broke up they they wrote it 
but they just couldn't reconcile it. Collingwood said, from my life with him, I've, I realise it's true that people you love can piss you off more than anyone else. And I think they basically grew apart uh, as songwriters. But you've got songs in this in their final album that uh, are just amazing. I mean, The Summer Place is great. Someone's Going to Break Your Heart is an absolute stonker. Action Hero is all about a dad who's, um, I guess a dad instead of an action hero. He thought he would be kind of growing up and being powerful, but instead has to look after a kid. And the very last song, which is the song which basically finished it off for them, was called Cemetery Guns, which is about a, a war widow saying goodbye to her husband, which was, I guess, when Afghanistan was being a pretty big, big deal. And so, and that wrapped it up. And there's no really, there's not really a happy ending with this because, as you say, at that point, the band were drifting apart. They basically finished um, after that mm-hmm. record was released. They disbanded in 2013 and went their separate ways. And then, as you say, um, Schlesinger died of complications from COVID in, I think it's April 2020 at 52. And so, yeah, they had one final concert, I think still in that month, April 22nd, and Sharon Van Etten filled in oh, wow. and replaced him. Um, so she was she was called up. And so I think they, they did hack and sack, actually. They played that. But yeah, it's, it's funny because, yeah, when I heard the news you kind of know that someone who you can completely trust in the songwriting sense has gone and it's like, oh, that's left a hole. Yeah, it's a bit of a gut punch. Yeah, so they don't have a happy ending. They they never will be kind of a classic band. They don't have the material, I don't think, that will ever, or an album that goes to classic status in the way that we've discussed some other bands who've got clearly like classic epic albums. They won't ever do that, but in terms of pure songwriting talent and capturing comedy and and sadness and all of that and wrapping it up in a song, these guys are, are some of the best. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I I disagree that they've not got that album because I do think Welcome Interstate Managers is is a really immense piece of work. And I agree with you. I think it's really sad that they haven't got maybe not superstardom, in terms of being, you know, an oasis or a blur or something like that, but certainly, certainly they should be thought of on the level of, you know, the the pulps of this world. Yeah, well, you know, Stephen King, the author, he's a big fan. Right. I think there are quite a few people um, who are, are, are fans of them, but yeah, maybe it's just because they were going their separate ways after this album was released that it's harder to do the promotional stuff and. Maybe that's what it is, and maybe that's why they they kind of tailed off a bit. But and this isn't my favorite album. My favorite album is Fountains of Wayne, the original one. I want to bring you back to the end of Welcome and State Managers. Let's let's finish on a slightly more light-hearted note. There are three songs at the end of this. I had this album playing while I was in the kitchen doing some kitchen-based chores, and I thought. Spotify had bumped me into listening to other things because all of a sudden everything sounded very mid to late era Oasis. I think this is why this album annoys me a little bit because I think if you cut some songs out of it, it'll be brilliant. But they wanted to write a tribute to Oasis and Collingwood was a massive fan. He was, I think, talking about driving along the road with his wife who is... Barbara H, who's she's in the title of a, one of his earlier songs, and um, they loved singing along to this song. And I think he recognised songwriting 
mm-hmm. genius, yeah. I guess, um, with Oasis. And so decided to mimic them. And so, yeah, Super Collider is this kind of, I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's not really a, a piss take of Champagne Supernova, but it's almost a, a homage to it, I guess. I don't <laughs> it's know. a he, very close homage. <laughs> he puts the kind of, the slightly kind of snarly Oasis vocals into it and yeah. But it's not even just that. Bought for a song sounds like it could have been rejected from, well, not rejected for any kind of musical reasons, but just didn't make the album on Definitely Maybe. Yeah. And Elevator Up sounds very Oasis-y. Like, it's almost like they wrote a song for each stage of Oasis's career and just put these three or four songs on the end of this album. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think it was a kind of, they write music like this, and if I were to to guess because we well, I won't know and I can't find it in an interview but I would have thought Schlesinger and Collingwood have gone let's try and capture the essence of Oasis and put it into song and they kind of have I mean it's quite clever they absolutely have even with the snarl everything sounds Oasis and yeah. I think if you played this to someone without them knowing anything about those songs and asked them who is it I think most people would think it is yeah I have a funny feeling that Liam and Nola both say, oh, they're, they're stealing our, our music and piss off, because that's just how they are, but still. I suspect Noel might take it as a compliment. Liam would just be Liam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But yeah, so that's it. Yeah, it's a great shout, and, and it's nice to see a band hat-tipping another band and not taking the piss. Yeah, absolutely. And it is very easy to parody bands like Oasis, and this isn't parody. This is very warm... Like you say, it's 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 an homage. Yeah, yeah. So this album's um I, I picked it because it shows all of the facets of this band from the songwriting hits to the just the intricate lyrics which just capture people's lives. And yeah, for me, I I tell you what, the the, the thing I love to do with Fountains of Wayne is um if I'm on a long journey their albums work really well because they talk about people and you can kind of disappear into their lives a bit and imagine people doing stuff like all kinds of time. I mean, how can you not imagine a guy freeze-framed, quarterback, holding a football, (laughs) about to chuck it and him having this like revelation in his head? It's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I have to ask, have you seen them live? No, I haven't. And they didn't, so... They did quite a lot of touring off a couple of their albums, but they didn't come over to the UK very much, which is a bit of a shame. And they were, I was really into them back in the, what, late 90s, early early thousands when I couldn't get to as many gigs. So couldn't afford to fly to the States and see them. Yeah. So, um, so no, a bit gutted at that actually, because they're probably up there in bands that I really would love to see and and I won't I mean they they will not play uh, that's that's them done so maybe Collingwood will write some songs and he might come over and that might be interesting to go and see but but no have you fair enough uh no no they don't believe they ever crossed my path like you say didn't really make it over to the UK and if if they did not any festivals that I made it to all right influences where, where have they influenced your taste jesus um that's a really difficult question because I think that's I, you know what I know exactly what this one is they're the first band that I listened to that I didn't know anyone else that knew about them and I felt I've got someone special I've got a, a special band who are making brilliant music 
no one knows about them and I need to tell people about them. And I think it was that kind of, you don't have to listen to someone in the charts to listen to fantastic music. Um, so I think actually they are the, for me, the first band that really, really kind of kindled that love of not just music, but finding out about music. So I reckon these are the these are the originals. So for, for this podcast, and for, I might be wrong, this band started that fire, I think, for me. Brilliant, brilliant answer. Love that. So yeah, it's, it's as simple as that. Did you ever, I mean, you came across them later, didn't you? Yeah, so really for me, it was your love of them combined with hearing Stacey's mom on the radio and probably saying at that point to you, Henry, have you heard of this band called Fancy's Away? And you rolling your <laughs> eyes and being like, yes, mate, <laughs> yes. I keep telling you about them. Yeah. So yeah, personal favourite, and um, I'm I'm very very happy to have spoken about them. Nice. Well, thanks for bringing them. I know they're they're a huge one for you. So cheers. Love it. Good stuff. Yes, I'm going to go and listen to them now. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Th- thanks for joining us, everyone. And go go listen because they're great. They really are. <laughs> cool. Cheers, Rich. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 